Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. It is so great to see everybody here today. I'm Pastor Tui uh, from South Campus. And my wife Jessica is here. Our, our children, Haley, DJ, Emily and Ryan are in L Kids. But we're super excited to be with everybody here today. We had a blessed time during the first service. I'm excited during the second service as well. Super cool. I'm not going to mention everybody by name. There's so many childhood friends here. would be would be here half the sermon. But it is good to see everybody that... I grew up with, I grew up at a church not too far away from here in San Marcos, so it is good to see uh, everybody that's, there we go, it is good to see uh, everybody that, that is here. Uh, there where you are, I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads, we're going to get right into the word of the Lord, I really believe he has something for us, give me a few minutes, I, I believe that, that God is really going to speak to us uh, in this uh, important and very unique topic, not everybody chooses this topic, not everybody dives into it. Uh, and there's a blessing in it, and uh, I'm excited that I get to be to be a part of this uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you that we get to do this. Thank you that it is by grace that we are here. We didn't have to qualify to be here. Nobody was checking our credentials at the front gate to see if we were good enough to receive your blessings. We thank you that we're in a place that has been, it, where people understand that what's been freely given, they will freely give. Bless every heart, every mind. Bless every individual that is here. We believe salvation is here. We believe that we are justified by faith. We believe, Father, that there will be great and awesome things here today. Use me as we continue to develop this sermon series that you gave to Pastor Josh's heart. Bless him and his wife where they may be. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, turn to the person next to you. Tell them it's all your fault. I'm not the best looking person here. It's all your fault. Not the best looking person here. You may be seated. Again, listen, if it's your first time here, we believe at Lighthouse, that church, that the presence of God is enjoyed, not endured. Okay, the presence of God, it is enjoyed, it is not endured. The fullness of joy, we, we take that to heart. Uh, this series, Mind Monsters, if you've been here the last few weeks, this is probably the fourth or fifth. A lesson in this series, but the subtitle is Overcoming Toxic Thoughts and Taking Control of Your Mind. And it's super important uh, to look at this and to examine uh, what it is that we, are, that we are looking at here. This is something that is not often spoken about in church. This is something that is not often addressed because if you're speaking about this, incorrectly, people assume that there was something wrong with it. Uh, incorrectly, it was assumed just pray it away, just worship it away, and just, and there's an element of truth, that there's a beginning to that, I, I'm not denying the power of worship, power of prayer at all, there's an element to that, but it goes a little bit deeper, a little bit beyond that, and if you give me a few minutes here, uh, I, I would love to continue explaining and continue discussing uh, what uh, Pastor Josh uh, and, and Pastor Joe have been discussing uh, during these last few uh, weeks, and uh, South Campus, Pastor Sam has started off with this first slide. For every one of the sermons that we've discussed throughout uh, this series, he started off with this first slide. And it's really the baseline of everything that we're doing and the baseline for discussing mental monsters and the baseline for addressing what is considered taboo in the church, what is not addressed, what is not discussed. It all starts with the importance of our thoughts. And we read in Proverbs 23, 7, as someone thinks within himself, so he is. Another version will say that as a person's thoughts are, so, is, so does a person act. And, and we can see that thoughts, okay, at the very basic, the very baseline, thoughts shape choices. Choices shape, in turn, shape our lives. And it's a continuum there. And, and when this was first presented, I, I, I thought of something real interesting. You ever, see, you ever meet a couple? You ever see a couple? And you, you look at them and the, uh, like the genetic mathematics doesn't add up. Like, like she's like an 8, 9, 10. And he's like, like I mean, I'm sure his mom loves him. I, I'm, but, but it's just like, it doesn't like, 
I'm going to say it this way because I'm getting to look like, you want to say that again? You ever meet a couple and the genetic mathematics doesn't, right? It just, it doesn't add up. It doesn't like, you know, it, it, something along the lines you're looking at, it's like, how did he end up with her? But the baseline is that in his mind, that man, he is a provider. He is a protector. He is uh, he, he's a father figure. He is there through thick and thin. If the heavyweight champion of the world has an issue, has a problem, he's going to step in front, take that one punch. It may not be a long fight, but he's going to step in front because that's who he is. And she knows it. She knows that she, she is his queen. Now, listen, this is, this is a hanging fastball, gentlemen. How many of you thank the Lord for your ten? All right, listen, I'm, I'm tipping my pitch here. I'm tipping the pitch. How many of you thank the Lord for your 10? There we go. There we go. But what happens when your thoughts are the opposite end of the spectrum? What happens when your thoughts are the worst part of your being? What happens when your thoughts tell you the exact opposite of what you should do or who you are? What happens when your thoughts are what weighs you down? What happens when your thoughts are what gives you heartache? What happens when your thoughts are what keep you from looking at the mirror in the morning? What happens when your thoughts are what keep you down? Yes, everything on the outside is, is fine and it's okay. And uh, you, you were able to, you know, maybe yeah, the, before you left, you, you, you put on your smile. And, you know, for those of you that think, can still thank the Lord that you could comb your hair and, and when you walked out. <laughs> but what happens when the thoughts... When the thoughts are weighing you down. What happens when those thoughts are heavy and burdensome and, and negative and dark? That's why it's super important to consider the role of our thoughts. Because Romans 12, 2, as we see in this next slide, says, But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you... It doesn't say by, not, it doesn't say by changing the way you act. It doesn't say by changing the way that uh, you behave. It doesn't say by changing the way uh, that you communicate. It doesn't say by changing the way that you make money. It doesn't change. It says by changing the way that you think because it's those thoughts that steer everything going forward. It's those thoughts that determine future. It's those thoughts that determine attitude. It's those thoughts. Thoughts eventually shape behavior. Thoughts eventually shape lives. Thoughts eventually shape all of these things in our lives. And I get the awesome privilege to tell you, despite what you may be thinking, despite what the enemy may try to bring against you, because we have to remember the Bible says that he is the father of lies. His native language is lies. So everything he says is a lie. So if you came in here today thinking that you were not good enough, if you came in here today thinking that uh, you, you, you don't meet a certain standard, I'm here to tell you that is a lie. You are a masterpiece according to the word of God. You are a son and daughter of a king. You are the head not the tail. You are royalty, not the beggar. You are forgiven, not outcast. You are redeemed, not condemned. That is the blessing we have in the name of Jesus. And our thoughts may not let us see that because life experiences or, or past mistakes or different things that we go, it may not let us see that. But I have the privilege of walking us through this once again and knowing and understanding that there is a God who loves us. That there is a God who loves us. And because of that, a big part of his love, as we see in the next slide, is that Jesus wants to be our wonderful counselor. He wants to be our wonderful counselor. See, I, I, I grew up in, in a church, and I thank God for my upbringing. I thank God for my parents. I thank God for everything they did for me. I grew up in a church where God was super powerful. He was almighty, he was great, he was awesome, but he was also really mean. Like, it's, I see some people that I grew up with, they're like, da, da, da. <laughs> right, he was great, and, and, and we, were, we were worshiped, our, our worship sets were a little bit over an hour, yeah. when we were lucky. <laughs> and, and, and it was awesome, I, I grew up seeing the power of prayer and worship, and all, but also, God was really mean. He, he, he cared exactly what you wore, how you looked, how you thought. And, and if you messed up, you were called out in front of everybody. And if you did wrong, that people knew it. As if there was something to do with grace that people had to approve. 
And, but, but again, I get the honor and the privilege, and I love doing this, that I get to tell everybody here that Jesus wants to be our wonderful counselor. He wants to be our blessed Savior. He is our creator. He is our redeemer. But he also wants to be our wonderful counselor. Now, Pastor Sam in South Campus, he mentions this a lot. He, he says people's greatest need is Jesus. Okay, there, there's no two ways about that. Our, our greatest need, people, the community, our home, our greatest need is Jesus. But our greatest perceived need often keeps us from our greatest need, that is Jesus. And this is why I love this sermon series, that our greatest perceived need, our mental health, our difficulties, whatever it is that we're struggling through, Jesus wants to be our wonderful counselor, and there is support, there is help, there is a blessing here this morning. And again, this isn't just me speaking. What does the word of the Lord say? Isaiah 9, 6, as we see on the next slide. It says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Okay, this is thousands of years before Jesus was born. When he's being introduced, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Some of you are looking at this and saying, wait a minute, that's a Christmas verse. Shouldn't there be like little shepherds and little stars and people singing and, and all that stuff, and then we should have hot chocolate outside and it should be like 20 degrees cold? The basis of what Jesus did and what he was going to do and you notice how intentional the word of God is, how sequential it is, and, and there's a reason for that. The people who were reading this at the time, they didn't have very good lives. Okay, they, they were struggling. They were hurting. They'd only read and heard of these awesome stories of the past of how their ancestors, uh, they'd walked through the sea that had split open. Uh, the biggest, baddest army in the world at the time, the Egyptian army, uh, they had chariots and they were so advanced and they were so big. And, uh, but that, how the people of God had defeated them. And they, all of these stories, they were just stories because they were captive. They, they weren't free. They're, they'd done all these different things and stuff had happened to them and they were hurting. So you would think, why doesn't the Lord present himself as mighty God first? That's what they were asking for. That's what they were looking for. They thought that they needed Mike. Why doesn't he present himself as everlasting father first to say, hey, this is only temporary. You're going to last. Why doesn't he present himself as prince of peace to know all these things you're going through, all these difficulties, all these heartaches that you're going through, it will have a temporary time frame. No, he introduces himself as a wonderful counselor first because that's, he knew that his most precious creation he knew the power of our mind. He knew what is in between our ears. He knew what our minds were going to do when he gave us free will. Do we know humans, we're the only ones who have the ability and the audacity to tell God no. You never see on a National Geographic or you never see on the Weather Channel a reporter out there saying, we don't know what's happening. Uh, you know, they're maybe at the, the uh, Tamarack or Moonlight Beach or at the harbor. Say, we don't know what's going on. The tides didn't come in today. They just, they, they protested. They, they, they don't have that option, right? They're not out in the migration. Yeah, I'm, I'm here live. Uh, uh, my name is uh, Samantha Smith de la Torre Cruz. Uh, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't, the, the, the animals didn't migrate today. They don't do that. But humans can tell God no. Human thoughts can say, I'm going to figure this on my own. Human thoughts can say, I got this. Step aside. Human thought. That's why he knew that the wonderful counselor needed to be at the basis. Because if our minds told us that he's not mighty, then he's not mighty. Again, that's not to say that we make God and we shape God, but that is the power of the mind. And that's why I love this lesson series, this sermon series, because it's getting to the roots, to the basis of some things that have kept us from living full lives in Jesus, from living full and joyful and blessed lives. But that ends here today in the name of Jesus. So that was so important. He presents himself as a counselor. He presents himself as a counselor. Now, fast forward thousands of years later when he's about to ascend into heaven again. And, the people, and he's telling them and he's preparing them and saying, look, I need to go. This is part of the plan. And the disciples are saying, no, 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 no. We, what are we going to do? I mean, we, we've, you know, one, we've given everything to follow you. Right? Some of them were fishermen. Some of them were tax collectors. Some of them just different things. We've given everything. And now you're going to leave us? You're going to leave us alone? What are we going to do? How are we going to be okay? And he responds, then I will ask my father and he will give you another and depending on what translation you read, helper, counselor, or advocate, he will be with you forever. He presents himself as a counselor, and he dismisses himself as a 
counselor. This is, again, why I love this series, because our mind is that valuable and that important to Christ. And if you're struggling here today, you are not broken. You are not a mistake. You are not doing anything wrong. It's simply put, the Lord wants to bless you even more here today. And there is solutions, there is hope, and there is peace today in the name of Jesus. And whatever change can start here today. And oftentimes, the response to that is, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine, but uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't need all that mental health stuff, right? May is mental health month. I don't need all that. I, I can figure things out. I can, I can get things done on my own. I, I can, you know, figure, f- figure these things for, for my own. I, I don't need to go through, through, through any of that stuff. My, my wife and I are in education. And I remember the first time that we went to a cyberbullying training. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, cyberbullying, like, turn your phone off. <laughs> I mean, um, turn your phone off. Right, but I didn't realize that, and I think Pastor Phil, I met Pastor Phil when I was 10, and I thank God that all our dumb stuff was done before they could record it. <laughs> you a real one, Jesus. <laughs> Those of us, my, my, man, we thank God that there's no tick, there's no reel, there's, it's not on anything's phone, it's not, I didn't understand. Again, a different generation, I'm not too old, but different generation, that stuff now is recorded and it's passed along and it lives forever. It's a PSA, stuff you record, stuff you, it lives forever. So don't share it, don't record it, don't, it lives forever. And we've had people, and I didn't say this first service, it skipped my mind until now, we uh, rescinded an offer to a coach at my school because of stuff that popped up on his Twitter feed from 10 years ago. Wow. Stuff is real. Okay, P.S. Again, practical, spiritual, but it's, it's, it's real. Yeah. Again, my point in saying all that is that a lot of times, because it's not our present reality, we don't think it's an ever reality. Yeah. Because it's not something that we deal with or it's not something that we've seen, that it, it, it isn't something that is actually happening. And that's the danger with mental health, that there's a stigma around it that if you're struggling, you're weak. There's a stigma around it that if you're going through, you're a bad Christian. That's the one that hurts. That's the one that, that if you, you don't have enough faith, that if you have these doubts, these things, that you just not, it just pray a little bit more, be a little bit better. And that's wrong. That's wrong. And if anybody's told you that, they're wrong. And we're going to address that in a second. Now, this next slide, who do you think said this? Just to make my point a little bit. Who do you think said this? Read this along with, I I wish I were a harmless little bird that could just fly far away and finally find rest. I fly so far away that I would quietly stay where no one could find me. That looks like something you read, like like those pity posts online, right? Where somebody's sitting in a cafe just, or looking out the window, and here, take take a picture. No, 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 get it so the light's like right on my face. And then the caption, nobody here, right? And then the caption is like, Life is so hard, but fun. So fun, but hard. And then they put that little, that little circle with the red thing and then the blue cap. It's like, huh, who, who would say that? Who would say that nonsense? Come on. Get it together. Show some strength. Uh, come on. Get that goat. Eat some red meat. Come on. Go to the next slide. This is Psalms 55, 6 through 7. This is King David saying, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. Wait a whoa, 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 hold on, time out. This is Mr. Psalms 23. They all walk through the belly, the shadow of death, I will fear no. This is a guy that when he went to present himself to fight Goliath, they looked at him and said, Hey, you're, you're just like, he believed he was a teen between 15, 17 years old. He was, he was a teen. Say, look, look, listen, man, these are seasoned warriors that are scared. And he's saying, look, I'm not a warrior, but I take care of my dad's sheep. And when the lion and the bear came against the sheep, I killed them with my bare hands. I could take this guy out. This is a guy that they would write songs about him that said, Saul has killed thousands. David has killed ten thousands. He was a man's man, alpha male warrior of warriors, a leader of leaders. And yet he's writing Stuff like that. Oh, I wish I was a little bird. I wish I could just fly away. That is the severity of what the mind can do. 
That is the hardships that our mind can bring. I mean, this is a person that the Bible specifically said, the Bible specifically mentions that he was a man, that David, he is a man after my own heart. And yet this is what his mind was going through. It has nothing to do with weakness. It has nothing to do with frailty. It has nothing to do with not loving Jesus. It has absolutely nothing to do with not being able to worship or pray or to understand God's will for your life. We are humans, but we have a God who knew from the very beginning they can't handle this. They can't do this on their own. My most precious creation, so I'm going to come down on earth in human form, 100% God, 100% man, and I'm going to give my life for them. And that is our hope here today. That is our hope here today, that we have a Savior who gave his life for us. But the story doesn't end there. Romans 8 says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in us today. That is why I can say I am the head, not the tail. That's why I can say I'm a royalty, not a beggar. That's why I can say I'm forgiven and not outcast. If you feel that with me this morning, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Can we give the Lord praise? Can we give the Lord the blessings that he deserves? Now, I need to be very careful with this part. We need to be very, very careful with this part because, again, this may seem like, wait a minute, you're just going back on what you said. Yes, struggles are real, but we give the enemy way too much power sometimes. Way too much power. Lord, rebuke these calories. Hey, man, you just need a salad. Lord, rebuke the, oh, man, I just can't save money. You're loading your Starbucks app four times a day. My wife's looking at me saying, you do that. I don't do that. I go to Cafe Moto. <laughs> right? There's some things that we are doing to ourselves. Okay? There's some things that we're giving the enemy way too much credit, way too much power. You may not need, and again, this next slide, you may not need a different situation. You may need a different light. Okay, there's certain things that are weighing on us that we're placing ourselves in. Right, if you feel down and out, if you feel negative, if you feel defeated, but you're the one getting roasted on that chat group consistently and nobody else gets it, you need, a, you need new friends. Right, there's certain things in our lives that we're placing ourselves in, that we're walking in, that we need a different situation. This next image, look at this for a second. We use, my wife and I use this in parenting classes. We use this in, in coaching. We use this in... There's so many times and so many things where we're trying to fit or we're trying to make certain things fit and things that don't. Yeah. Right? Parents that are here. God bless all parents. I, man, it's, that's a journey. That's a blessing. It is a blessing. But whew, I love my kids. I love you all. Parents, we're exasperating our children sometimes. Oh, when I was a kid, I'd wake up at 4 in the morning. I was delivering papers. I was doing this. And I was, and, and your kid, what? Dad, what's, what's, what's a paper? <laughs> times change. Okay, time, t- times, when I was in, my dad did this. My mom did this. Times change. We need to be better. We need to move on. We need to progress. We need to do the things that weren't done for us. And I thank God for my parents. I thank God for my folks. I thank God for what we learned. So many times we want situations to mean certain things that just don't. I had to learn that the hard way. I I broke my collarbone playing football at 30-something years old. I'm a weekend warrior. Jake's here laughing. He was there. (laughs) Certain things, okay, it's time to move on. Certain things, it's time to step forward. It's time to not stay in a certain segment in a certain thing. There's certain religious tendencies that keep us way down. I thank God for my upbringing. I really, really do. But man, I was, the, I, was the, I was that preacher that had that nice three-piece suit, and I had the cadence down, and oh, in the name of G, ooh, I had the pauses, and boom. And then, and then when I ran out of things to say, this is what was cool. When I ran out of things to say, I would blame the congregation. I would say, oh, I wish somebody was with me today. <laughs> oh, I wish, when it wasn't like, when it wasn't prepared, when it, oh, I wish somebody was understanding me today. <laughs> I remember having dinner with my dad one time, and he's like, hey, you preachers like to say that. Well, explain it to us. You have the microphone. Explain. It's like, wow, that's, 
There's certain religious things, certain things that weigh us down that, you know, just because people sin differently than we do doesn't mean they are any less. Pastor John Gray puts it very well. He says, we are excellent judges of other people's sins and even better lawyers of our own. But see, this is the power of being here in this canopy, in this church, in, in this congregation. That here, it's come as you are because you're not going to leave as you came. Yeah, you come. If people, and, and again, if, you, if you're coming from a place and if, if somebody up here uh, told you things that were just not true. If somebody, and again, I know Pastor Josh, Pastor Joe, uh, Pastor Sam and whoever else speaks, Pastor Joe and whoever else speaks up here, Pastor Phil, I know they're not doing that. But somebody, there's things that are heavy because somebody told you you weren't good enough. Somebody told you your sins defined you. Somebody told you that your past mistakes, that's who you were going to be for the rest of time. And that is a lie because we are not defined by our sins. We're defined by his grace. And that is the blessing in the name of Jesus. That's where a reframe is super important. Again, as we see the next slide, we already talked about letting God transform us by changing the way we think. But Ephesians 4.23 takes it a step further. It says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Your attitude can determine. We've heard it before. It's not an original thought, right? Attitude determines altitude. Attitude determines altitude. My wife and I work at the only school that's kind in the country. All of our students are homeless. They live in shelters. They live in motels. They live in uh, cars. They live in, if you ever go to Petco Park, those tent cities that you see out there, some of our students live in those. Uh, And I I mentioned that because, again, students with stories that you would not believe. I didn't mention this during the, 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 the first service, but... Uh, th- this, this place means the world to me. Pastor Josh and, and everybody mean the world to me. Since last Friday, we've lost three former students, tragically. Three former, anybody else, any other invitation, anybody else, I say, I, I can't do it. I'm not in the headspace. I, I, I can't do it. But what this place means and what this place is doing, I had to take the a, opportunity and advantage because there is growth, there's progress, there's healing happening here today. And I wanted to be a part of the blessings that are here today in the house of the Lord. But what happens when everything should be going right? right? What happens when you've taken care of the things that you can take care of? What happens when you've made the right choices? What happens when you've placed yourself in a good spot? See, so many times it, the conversation ends where I was before, and it's all outward facing. It's all, well, do this, do that, don't do this, say this, be there, do. But what happens when you are meeting all those things? What happens when you are doing exactly what the Word of God says you should be doing and you're still struggling? What happens when you're uh, following the, the Word of the Lord, when, when you're, when you're raising your family right when, when you, you have good friends, when you're doing, making good choices in school, hanging out with good people, and you're still struggling and going through difficulty. The last few moments I have left, I, I want to entitle this section, A Tale of Two Mountains, and we're going to discuss a really cool prophet. Uh, this is something, actually, a sermon that the Lord gave my wife, and I get the, per- I get the opportunity to, uh, to discuss it up here. It's awesome. But uh, Elijah was a very interesting, interesting prophet. He's not often associated with mental health uh, ailments. He's not often associated with struggling. But he struggled. He struggled badly. Badly. And we pick up the story in uh, 1 Kings 18 from 22 to 24. So here Elijah's to the point where he feels he's completely by himself. And he's kind of having arguments with God. And he's kind of having these discussions. And he's saying, look, I've done everything that I needed to do. I've done, and you can read this on your own because it's a really fascinating story. This is going to make an amazing miniseries or movie one day. But he's talking to the Lord, and he's saying, look, I'm the only one left who speaks for God. Like, I'm the only one doing right. Right? Imagine the entire city of Vista, San Marcos, uh, uh, Oceanside, Carlsbad, and you feel that you're the only one doing what is right. That, that it feels like that sometimes. It feels like that in school. Everybody cheating on their tests, and you're doing things right because you know that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Right, people at work, I remember I worked at a restaurant, uh, the Quails Inn, San Marcos, it's not there anymore, and they had to change the entire system because people were clocking in for each other, boom, 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 and it worked, it worked for a good, a good amount of time. When they caught on it, a bunch of people quit, left, and 
But they want, and, and they will say, here, I'll, 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 I'll clock you in. It's like, no, that's not, that's not right. That's stealing. But they want ahead. And there's multiple situations. Like, Elijah felt similar to that. And so he starts saying, look, there's 450 men who speak for Baal. You want to Baal worship and all that stuff, not going to get into it. The way they would consecrate themselves and the practices and the things they would do, uh, really hurting themselves, a, a bunch of other stuff. But Elijah decides, okay, this is, we're going to have a standstill. Okay, we're going to have a, a, a good old-fashioned standstill here. So he orders these sacrifices. Bring two bulls. So they're going to do a sacrifice, one for the gods, of, the gods of Baal and one for the one true God. And he sets it all up, I mean, very cinematic, right? He says, we're going to set everything up, boom, everything's going to be good. Uh, make sure, don't put any fire under it. Uh, you're going to call on the name of your God, and I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he's going to be God. The one who answers by fire, he's going to be the God. This is how we're used to, right? It's, it's easy when, when, when the fire, when the music, can we give the, the worship team a, some love? Amazing. Right? Like, it, it's to the point where, like, you almost have to not want to worship when they're singing. And the, the, I mean, it's whatever. But they set it up. They set things right. And he goes up and beyond that. He's like, he, he, my, my wife calls it, he's, he's like the original, he's the original Avenger. Right? Because he has like Tony Stark moments where he's really witty and saying, maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's sleeping. And then he gets Thor moments, like literally calls fire from heaven and boom. And so, it's an amazing supernatural time, right? The sacrament, you can read it on, on, on your own. I'm just real, going through it real quick. It's an entire chapter, paraphrasing it, right? They, they even, he goes as far as to put water all over, his, all over his sacrifice. Like You don't have to be an outdoors person to know, like, you don't put water on fire before you light it. He puts water, he puts a moat around it, and he calls on the name of the Lord, and boom, it's consumed by fire, and everything's great, everything's awesome, everything's amazing. These false prophets are all put to death because it's declared he, Jehovah is the one true God. It's awesome. They're on, on top of the world, literally and figuratively. It, things are going great. Things are going so awesome. And then we get to chapter 19, just one chapter, 18, right? A whole theatrics, a whole show. He's mocking the, the, the people who are doing wrong. He wins. And then verse 19, okay, so that was on Mount Carmel. And then we get to Mount Horeb. So here, he went from being on top of the world, showing all these, to being completely depressed, anxious, and down and out. In one chapter, he went from winning to losing. He went from strength to frailty. He went from having everything in control to completely down and out. And we can read from verses, uh, from chapter 19, from verses 3 through 8. It says, he was afraid and ran for his life. And he prayed that he, he literally tell, the guy who called fire from heaven, he literally asked God, kill me now. Those negative thoughts, they have nothing to do with your relationship with God. Those negative, they have nothing to do with you not being good enough. This guy called fire from heaven, and now he's asking God, please kill me now. I can't do this anymore. The power of the mind. The power of the mind. I hope somebody here can understand if you're struggling, if you're hurting, if you're confused, if you're anxious, if you're angry, if you're sad. If you feel alone, it does not mean you're a bad person. This is an amazing prophet, and here he is praying that he might die. He had fear. He had hopelessness, classic symptoms of depression, anxiety. I've had enough, Lord. He I, can't, I can't do this anymore. That's it. Losing motivation. Not seeing that, what, what, was it, what was ahead. The present situation was too much for what was to come. At the end, loss of appetite. Right, so this, this one is huge because we often think that these biblical characters were supernatural people. They weren't supernatural. They served the supernatural God, and there were supernatural things, but they were human. As a matter of fact, the Bible specifically said Elijah was a man just like us, and he prayed that it would not rain. It didn't rain. He was very human. He says, get up and eat. And so what does Elijah do? We go on to the next chapter. And again, we're further in, in, in chapter 19. He doubles down and goes even further away. He hears from the Lord, but he, 
Again, the power of the mind, all these things that have happened, but he feels he can't do it. He feels he's not good enough. He feels that's the end of the line, and he just doubles down and walks away. And he goes into a mountain, not only a mountain, but into a cave in a mountain. This reminds me when we purchased our, first, our, our, the, our current home. It's a real messy short sale. And we had to go up to, to, to L.A. to get something notarized day of. I mean, it had to be notarized day of. We had to get something with the bank or else it was going to go into a bankruptcy protection and some other things. It was a huge mess, but um, it was perfect home for us. And so we did what we had to do on top of that. Maybe my wife's car was going through uh, some, some issues. It had a factory recall. So we had to take it into the, the dealership. They gave us a rental. It's a big old mess and, and whatever. So we're driving up to L.A. We're there on the 110 freeway, the 110 parade. We're just sitting there. And I get rear-ended. I mean, just whack. Oh, so natural reaction. Ah, my wife screams. I scream. At the time, we had my, my son was with us. He just started weeping, crying. He was months old. And so we pull over. And just boom, I just, I mean, completely, and then bam, again. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. And I'm thinking, I don't have time for this. (laughs) Like, I don't have time for this. This is, and on top of it, it's a rental. I don't have time for this. We're going to miss our appointments. I'm trying to, it's just a huge mess. And on top of that, I'm thinking, I'm going to get out. And what if people are belligerent? What if they're fighting? What if they're hurting? What if all these things? Like, I I just, I, I I don't have time for this. So I get out, and there happens to be a CHP agent, that a CHP officer that stepped out, and he was there. He started taking things, and there's a lady there. She's crying. She's you know, shaking, and she's she, literally shaking. She can't get her, her license, registration, insurance, all that stuff out uh, from wherever she had it. And I look, and it's just me and her. And, I, and I, I'm just, I mean, I'm livid, and I'm thinking, man, this is, the, the woe is me, right? And I ask her, ma'am, the, the person who hit you didn't, uh, didn't stop? She says, no, I... I, I was so nervous when I, when I hit you that, that I stepped on the, on, on the gas again. I hit you twice. <laughs> the CHP officer reacted exactly like that. He was, but I was just, oh, Lord, Holy Spirit, leave me so I can handle this right now. But it's interesting how the Lord speaks to you in the most random moments. And what the Lord showed me at that time, how many times have I messed up and I doubled down even more? How many times have I done wrong and I doubled down? We're all, I could have just said, sorry. No, you had it coming. I could have just said, okay, it's my mistake. No. This, and, and double, I know I'm wrong, but I'm doubling down. I know that just walk away. No, I have to, because I'm right, because X, Y, Z, so on. How many times, how many things are we making worse because we're doubling down? How many t- things are not being resolved because we're not talking about it? This is why when I saw this sermon series, I was so excited because for years this was not discussed. And in many places, it's not discussed. And let me tell you some: the community is going to be attracted to you because of this. You're going to have people come in here and they're going to say, man, we heard Pastor Josh talking about depression in Australia. And it spoke to me because nobody talks about that. And we remember the, the, the time that the Pastor Manny Arango came. He spoke. I've never heard anybody talk like that guy. And so I wanted to be in a church where those things were being discussed. You're going to be surprised how many people step into the house of God to get that support, to get that help, and to get that those burdens taken off of them. I'm going to go through this one real quick. So the tale of the second mountain, what does Elijah do? What, what happens? He goes into the cave. He's hidden, and he hears from the Lord that he's going to speak to him, but he doesn't hear him. Right? And there's this whole theatrics, right? There's the wind tore the mountains apart before, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. There's giant earthquake. He wasn't in the earthquake. A bunch of fire where the Lord had shown himself through fire before, but the Lord was not in the fire. Be careful how we program our blessings. Right? I, I wish that, man, I wish I could take Bryant with me to those hard meetings. And somebody's discussing and fighting and arguing. I, I wish, I said, but Brian, hit me, Lord, you are good, man. I, I wish it worked that way. Wish I could take the guitarist and say, and say Brother Eli, just sing, sing a few bars, man. Let's get, get this place right. Doesn't work that way. Right? But we could take the blessings in our hearts. You take that peace. You take that joy. You take what it is that the Lord does through here, outside, into the community. And this is where the tale of the two mountains comes to a head. As we see in the next version, in the next slide. After the fire came a gentle whisper. 
And a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? A lot of preachers, a lot of singers have talked about this. Most recently, it was really made popular. Pastor Stephen Furtick talked about this in, in, a, in a few sermons. He whispers because he's close. Okay, sometimes you may not feel, I get it, you may not feel it in the word. You may not be able to raise your hands. You may not be able to clap your hands. You may not be able to feel, and that, that, that's, that's okay. Because he may just be whispering. He may be, and peop- he whispers when he's close. Again, you may not have felt that you're good enough to pray. You may not have felt, but there is a God who called you by name, knows you by name. He knows your situation. He knows what you've got. He knew what you were going to do. He knew your mistakes before you did them. He took them to the cross with him. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There is nothing you can present where he's going to say, sorry, you need to go to another place. I can't help you here quite the opposite he says cast all your cares on me all your burdens on me every filth, every uh shame everything put it on jesus that's why he's here that's why he died that's why he gave his life that's why he is our savior we see the tale of the two mountains as we as we close the lesson from here is as we see in the next slide is mount carmel is a public display of God's might, the boldness, right, the power, the fire, the, 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 the theatrics, everything was good, everything was great, everything was going uh, above and beyond how it was planned, how it's supposed to go. Good wins, evil lost. Good things are placed on high, evil things are placed below. There was a boldness there. But yet we also see the presence of God on Mount Horeb, which is a private display of God's might through brokenness. We're programmed to believe if you're broken, you're deficient. If you're broken, you messed up. If you're feeling that, then you did something wrong. But look at this. In all of the stuff, all of the things that happened in Mount Carmel, all of the things and all of the might and all of the power and all that, we never heard God's voice. Yes, his power was there, his presence was there, and the fire, and, and, and it was real. But we never heard God's voice. And yet in the private, in the cave, where he was literally at the end of his line saying, kill me now, I can't do this, we heard God's whisper. Brother Brian, if you could could help me out, my friend. We heard God's whisper. Sometimes all you may hear is a whisper. Sometimes all you may hear is something so faint. Sometimes you may not even see Jesus. The last time I was with you all virtually, I talked about blind Bartimaeus. The interesting thing with Bartimaeus, he was so down, he was blind his entire life. And back then, there, there was no support. There was no special IEPs for him in school. There was no, nothing to help him out. And back then, those ailments, right, if you couldn't walk, if you couldn't see, if you couldn't talk, then there was something wrong with you because your family did something or you did, your family did something in your generations that you deserved it. So can you imagine all that? Going through all those things, suffering, struggling. He never saw Jesus. He cried, and yet he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He never saw Jesus. Jesus saw him. I, I need to say that again. You may never see Jesus, but Jesus sees you. That's why it's so important to be in a community of faith. That's why it's so important to be in a connect group. That's why it's so important to be connected and to be here. If you're watching online, I'm so glad you tuned in. I'm so glad that somebody shared this with you or you had the courage to tune in. But somebody here is waiting for you. Somebody here has a seat. Church, are we not waiting for our friends who are watching online? Are we not waiting for somebody to step forward? There is a place here for you. You're not going to get a slap on the back. You're going to get a hug and welcome to sit down with a group of imperfect people who follow and seek a perfect God. That's what we do. That's what we're about here. As as I get ready to close, this is a vehicle here that you see on this next slide. This was purchased in Cape Cod. Do we have any gearheads, car people here? Yeah, a few. So this was purchased in Cape Cod Auction. You can look it up. Cape Cod, Massachusetts. This was a, a Shelby auction site. It's a, it's a Mustang. So I'm acting like I know what I'm talking about. I know nothing. 
but the notes here, that's why I'm, all right. So this is a 1966 Shelby Mustang GT 500 Hertz edition. So th in this condition, right, you can see, I mean, it's, it's got no doors, it's got no winch, it's got, and it specifically said, sold as is, no engine, no transmission. Listen, you don't have to be a car person, but if you don't have a car and you buy a car with no engine, no transmission, you still don't have a car. <laughs> but at the bottom, it said matching numbers and tags. Or original, original tags and numbers, matching numbers. In this condition, this vehicle, this by the naked eye, the hunk of junk, it sold, and you can verify, Cape Cod, Shelby Auctions, Massachusetts, it sold for $85,000. Correction, people fought for it for $85,000. Boom, boom, boom. But it's worthless. It's broken. It doesn't even match. It's dirty. Would you be seeing it's a four? Ford owners catching strays over here. <laughs> In this condition, as beat up as the $85,000. Because the owner knew full well, whatever the bidding started at, however it, he knew full well that the $85,000 he was going to pay for, he could turn it around and make it into this. And he could get it for about $250,000. He's going to put some money in it. But he knew he was going to make money. He knew what he had. He knew what he had purchased. Let me say, he knew what he had purchased. Listen, some of you, you may be down and out. You may feel that all this stuff, it doesn't apply. You may feel that there's, there's really no hope, nothing that you can do. But you were bought with a purpose. You were bought with a price. Your mind matters. Your heart matters. You are valuable. With some of you here, there may be alcoholics all throughout your family and it ends with you. There may be people that just struggle throughout and it ends with you. Generational difficulties stop here with you. You are valuable. You may be in a mental condition where you don't see, where, where nobody knows what you're going through. Nobody knows the stress and the anguish and the difficulties. Nobody's seen those past due bills that you just shove in your desk and you know, I'm going to take care of this. I've always taken care of this. I've always handled things. And nobody sees that. And it's weighing on you. You can't sleep. You're struggling. Nobody knows the negative report the doctor gave you about your health. And even though you've tried to eat healthy and even though you've made some changes, the doctor said, well, I, I hate to tell you this, but we're going to send you to the dreaded specialist. You may be here with burdens so heavy, but because you're in a community and because everybody here it seems to be lifting their hands and you're trying to do your best, but it's just not working it's just not going through ah but that's where the prince of peace comes into the picture that's where the wonderful counselor shows himself as the prince of peace if you could please stand with me as we see in this luke 1 78 through 79 it says because of his tender mercy of god god because of the tender mercy god's mercies are tender Right, you're not gonna, if you're coming back for the first time, if you're watching online and you're afraid that you're gonna be cast out and that, that you're gonna be pointed at, and that's not the way it works here. That's not the way the true gospel works. God's mercies are tender, He is gentle, He is easy. It says, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those who sit in darkness. Okay, we, we, we think when we read Psalms 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It, maybe he was talking about the times where he was a warrior. Maybe more often than not, if you read the Psalms, they are some down and out letters. But at the end, he worships Jesus. At the end, he thanks God for the opportunity. At the end, he recognizes in his frailty that God is still king. To guide our feet into the path of peace. Listen, God's light comes to us. Now the Bible says, ask or call to me and I will answer and show you great and hidden things that you do not know. It doesn't say call to me and I'll check your credentials. 
He doesn't say, call to me and I'll check, to, I'll check your search history to see if you're good enough. He, he's not an employer. He's a savior. He's not a background check. He is a creator. It's his nature to accept us to come to us. It's his nature to forgive. It's his nature to make us whole and give us life. You're not defined by the mistakes you made long ago or the mistakes that you'll continue to make. He says he's a guide. That implies choice. The guide, that implies choice. It is our choice to follow because at the end it's a path, not a place. Notice it doesn't say, and you will put my feet into the place of peace. It doesn't say you will put my feet into the journey of peace, into the destination of peace, into the spot of peace. It's a journey. It looks different for everybody. When I broke my collarbone, they showed me the x-ray. They showed me what I needed. They gave me the options, a plate, let it heal, so on. When you've gone through different things, you can see it, and, and there's x-rays, MRIs. There's no MRI for depression. There's no stethoscope that can measure anxiety. There, there, there's nothing that can measure your, your, the mental health in your mind. That's why it's so important to talk and to discuss about that's why it's so important for the Prince of Peace to be allowed in. When mental health illness hit our home, when it hit our family, when, when we were struggling, and I, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know. I, and I, I'm used to having the answers. I'm used to, at, at work, in, in the athletic arena and different things, that we, I'm used to having the answers. I'm used to answering. I'm used to solution-oriented. I had no answer. And the Lord led me to this verse, which is what we're going to close with. If you go to our home, you see this at the front, at the front door, right in the front. Psalm 61, 2, King David again. He says, from the end of the earth, right, from despair, from the unknown, from loneliness, from isolation, I will cry, I will call out to you. I will cry. It doesn't say you have to present a thesis. It doesn't say, hey, get your thoughts in order and see if God's really, if you should really bother God with this stuff. I will call out to you. I will cry out to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, when it's weak, when it's agitated, when it's depressed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Take me to the place that's above me. Take me to the spot, Lord, that is away. Take me to the place where I can see the wonderful counselor become the prince of peace. Take me to the spot, Lord, where my action will take me to the spot where it is you that is in control. Take me to the place, Lord, where it is you that is there. This is why Isaiah says, put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise. Listen, and this is the first step. When you put on a jacket, does it change the weather? No. When you put on gloves or a beanie, does it change the weather? No. It protects you from the elements. When the Lord says, put on the garment of praise, it's not that it's changing things around. It's you're insulating yourself, stepping away, and letting God take control and God be God. Because you're still going to lift up your hands and have a pastor bill at your house. You're still going to praise and say, Jesus, help me, and have parking tickets in your glove box what it does it steps away from the situation and says well maybe i need to slow down maybe i need to join financial peace university maybe i just need to let god take control and i'm gonna follow that is what our prince of peace does and as we close here today as the worship team steps up to praise and to glorify the name of jesus there is help here today there is support here today a lot of what may come Walls may be broken down there where you are. You build an altar there, you build an altar up here. Walls can be broken down. Strongholds can be broken down. Things that are in the way can be broken down. Heavenly Father, once again, we come closing. We thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. We thank you, Lord, that there is power in our words. The Bible says the tongue has the power of life and death. And we believe, Lord, that we're speaking life today. We're speaking Jesus today. We're speaking victory today. We're speaking hope today. And even though we may be struggling, even though, Lord, we may be carrying things since we were kids, childhood traumas, we may be carrying things that are weighing us down, the change begins today. Bring down those strongholds. 
that we may ask for help. Bring down those difficulties that we may ask, Lord, for you to enter into our lives. Break down those strongholds that somebody may say, I need to get help. I need to speak to a therapist. I need to speak to a counselor. That somebody, Lord, may find that support here today. You are not meant to live with mental monsters. They all come to us. They face us. We all suffer insecurities. We all suffer things at one point or another. You are not meant to live with those your entire life. You are not meant to have those in your family. You are not meant to have those define your future. You're not defined by your sins. You're not defined by your mistakes. You are defined by the love of a risen king. That's why I speak Jesus. Your name is power. That's why I shout Jesus. Because there is no other name like Jesus. That's why I put on the garment of praise. Because I know that I am insulated. I know that my heart cries out to you. That's why I cry Jesus for my children. That's why I cry Jesus. That's why I speak, Lord. Oh, your name is power. Hallelujah. We shout Jesus. We shout out in the name of Jesus. As we pray, Lord, the prayer of salvation here today. We are justified by faith. We're justified by your truth. We speak the holy name, Lord, in your name. Hallelujah. Our God is still undefeated. Our God is still in control. Our God still reigns. Can we worship him together, Lighthouse? Can we lift up our hands together as we close together? You alone, Jesus. Hallelujah. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, I believe, I accept it. I declare it in the name of Jesus. My family belongs to you, Lord. My mind belongs to you. Clarity in my mind. Clarity in my heart. Clarity, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Yes, oh, the name of Jesus. You alone, Lord. How beautiful it is, Jesus. Hallelujah. How beautiful it is, Lord. How blessed it is. I thank you for reaching me in my moments. I thank you, Lord, for finding me in my doubts. I thank you, Lord, for blessing me in a way that only you could. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Can we sing this together? Declare it. Hallelujah. Yes. And along with Lighthouse, the heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life. Only you, Jesus. Yes, you alone reign. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yours is the glory. Yours is the final say. Yours is, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Church, he understands the language of your tears. That's why King David said, I will cry out to you. He understands the language of your tears. He understands the language of your confusion. He understands the language of your doubt. He understands the language of your anger. He understands the language of your worship. And at the end of the day, God is for us, not against us. 
Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for our mental health, that you see to it, Lord, that we are blessed. Thank you that the plans that you have for us are to prosper us, to bless us. Bless everybody here in the name of Jesus, first-time guests, so great to have them. Bless us as we go. Bless every senior here who's completing their finals. Bless everybody who's submitting anything from schoolwork, any students. Fiscal year coming to an end. Bless all business owners as they're wrapping everything up. Every employee, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.